Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Upstate Unconventional. I'm your host, Nico. It is currently 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.11 to be exact, on uh, December 7th. And I had every intention of getting this episode out this past Sunday, but, you know, it seems to be the trend this year that life gets out of control and you just gotta focus on your other priorities first, but... Nevertheless, this episode is pretty awesome. Um, I have Old Scary World on. Now, I heard Old Scary World on The Great Deception with my buddy Matt, and it was just an awesome interview, and I really enjoyed everything they were talking about. I posted something on Instagram, and he reached out to me and was like, hey, let's do a show together. So, of course, I jumped on it and was like, yeah. And uh, Old Scary World has a pretty wild paranormal story. Um, I'm not going to give anything away. You got to listen to the episode, but it is, it's an intense one. And then the conversation, we go into a bunch of different stuff. We talk about some other paranormal experiences. Um, He gives me a rundown on black metal. We talk a little bit about like serial killers and how they're all probably a psyop. And then we just have a great conversation. We talk about they live and just kind of the current state of the world. And it's it's a fun one. And uh, I highly recommend everyone follow him on Instagram and check out his YouTube, YouTube channel. It's Old Scary World. And his Instagram is Mud Flood Memes. So post a ton of great content. Really nice, easy guy to talk to. Very down to earth. And uh Yeah, it's a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. All right, enjoy the show. I forgot to mention it before, but as most of you know, if you guys have had a paranormal or a spiritual experience and you'd like to be on the show, you want to talk about conspiracies or something unconventional, whatever that may be, uh, go ahead and email me at upstateunconventional at gmail.com. Or find me on Instagram at upstate underscore unconventional. Send me your story, send me some ideas, whatever you want to do. And uh, yeah, we'll get you on the show. So uh, for real this time, enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Upstate Unconventional. I'm your host, Nico. Tonight I have a very special guest. I actually heard this guest on uh, my buddy Matt, who has the uh, Great Deception podcast. He was on there. And uh, he actually heard him from my other friend, Jeff, on the uh, Shadowband podcast. So... It's pretty cool how this community works, but um, this uh, guest is called Old Scary World. He has a YouTube channel called Old Scary World, and you can follow him on Instagram at Mudflood Memes and uh, Old Scary World. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. Pleasure's mine. Um, yeah. Do you want to just tell the audience real quick a little bit about your channel? And then you actually messaged me and said you have a paranormal story that I'm really excited to hear about. Yeah, no, how the channel started, how the YouTube channel started was I wanted to do kind of a creepy exploration of the uh, of the California area where I'm from. And then uh, I was also at the same time researching Tartaria and the Old World, mud floods and flat earth and, and just all that kind of hidden knowledge about our history and the earth and all that kind of stuff. And so I just decided to merge them in the sense that I would explore buildings and locations associated with that. And then I started the uh, 
the mud flood memes instagram was actually before the youtube channel and that came from the fact that i was seeing all these instagram pages about the old world and mud floods and then i also simultaneously noticed that there was no meme pages so i said i want to be the first one that has the handle mud flood memes that coming on the horizon so i wanted to secure that and i would only upload maybe once every couple of weeks but i noticed it was getting a lot of likes and i was getting a lot of follows because of the hashtags i suppose and then so i started taking it more serious and then um i was watching john levi and um autodidactic channel a few other of the, the mud flood researchers and uh, i just decided hey i'm gonna get in on the ground floor here because i see a lot of people that this is going to be this generation's conspiracy theory quote-unquote conspiracy theory but research topic or point of historical interest so yeah i just um i saw the trend i just i saw the trend emerging and i was like um you know i don't want this to be something that i miss out on because it sucks and so yeah that's that's basically what happened was it's just the growth it really motivated me to keep taking it serious because i saw that there was people that were genuinely interested in it like me and also the comments that i was getting on youtube were really inspiring because there was people saying that they couldn't talk about this kind of stuff with their family or their friends so i was like okay well i'll be kind of a voice of reason in the sense that i don't necessarily have any of the answers i just present what i find videos. Mm -hmm. yeah and your videos are awesome like everyone seriously go check out his uh channel he's got a lot of you have some voiceover ones but a lot of them are just you know uh images and video clips you find with some music in the background and it's yeah the, just, those are the, the creepy, early yeah you know? <laughs> yeah yeah no the early the early videos the first videos i did was just uh slideshows with the music that i uh composed for them because mm -hmm. i've i've been making music for a little over 20 years so what i would do is i would edit the videos and then i would play because i have a recording studio so i would just i'd watch them on on my monitors and then I would have my I have my keyboards and all that kind of stuff set up. So I was like scoring it, essentially. That's, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. And, the, you know, the thing with the mud floods, it's like I grew up in upstate New York. I'm, I'm still in upstate New York and everywhere around it. I grew up in Kingston. You know, we'd go to Saratoga. Mm -hmm. Fort Ticonderoga is a star fort, which I just found out. And it's like I'd never heard any of these terms, but I always wondered why there was like half windows on all these buildings and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's so funny. You like put it out there. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm like talking with my wife one day, we're walking through Saratoga and I'm looking at these buildings, like, why the hell would they build this? And then like a week later, I'm like scrolling through YouTube or, you know, Instagram and stuff. And I'm seeing like all these different channels pop up talking about Tartaria, uh, this, you know, old world stuff. And it's just fascinating, but we're going to jump more into that. But uh, basically, okay, so I've only told this to a few people because this happened about 20 years ago. This happened like the year 2000. No, actually, it was 1999. Okay. So I was, I was a teenager. I was like 16, about 15, 16 years old. And I used to go for um, a lot of night walks, and I still do. But I was, I was walking home, and it was, I don't know, probably like one, between like one and two in the morning. And I turned down the street that I've turned down, you know, thousands and thousands of times before is in my neighborhood. And so it always looked the same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
in your memory, you just, you know, if something's, if you notice like a different car parked, a tree got chopped down, something like that. So it looked just instantly, it just looked completely different. And that was like, that was really strange. And what was different about it was about halfway down the block, there was this huge black hole, like flat though, like not like, um, not like a black hole, like in space, but like a black hole, just like this black circle, just completely opaque, like no shadows, just like pitch black. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the sidewalk was lit up. It was like, it was sucking. It, it, it wasn't sucking the light from the street lights or anything like that. It just, it was just this black hole, like the size of like probably about two, probably about two feet around. It's like 24 inches around, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. So I stop in my tracks. I'm just like looking at it and I'm like halfway down the block and I'm like, whatever, you know, so I'm, I'm not scared or anything. I'm just like, whatever, that's kind of weird. Like that's a weird shadow or something, but there was no shadows playing off of it. Like there was no shadows coming around it or anything. And then I started getting scared because I noticed that it wasn't a shadow. It was just this like black portal. Like, and then I, I, I swear to God, I swear to God, I saw these creatures and they were like shadows too, but they were, they were like two dimensional, but they were standing straight up and I get chill. Like I'm getting goosebumps, man. I haven't told the story in like probably about three or four years, but I wrote it down. So I remember it really well. So I kind of, I have it like memorized. Mm -hmm. So anyways, the, these, these things, right. They kind of look like, they didn't look like cats per se, but they were four legged and they had a really high arch in their back. You know, mm -hmm. like, like you ever see like an Irish wolfhound? Yes. You know how they have those really high arch backs? Mm -hmm. They look more like that, but they were two dimensional. They weren't three dimensional. They were like, they were like shadows, but they were standing upright. They weren't cast flat on the sidewalk. They were, they were like erect. Like they were like, it looked like they were made out of construction paper. Right. Like a cardboard cutout kind of. Like a cardboard around. cutout, but they were completely black. I mean, like, you know, that paint that's like supposed to be like the blackest paint in the world. Mm -hmm. They look like they're made out of that. And they it's were dangerous. blacker than black. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like complete, like no light. Mm -hmm. And they were circling, like dancing around. So I kept walking and I got about 20 feet away from I saw them. like they were like and they didn't seem to really care about me or anything, but they kept circling around the hole. And I'm just like stuck and nobody's there, of course. And I didn't have a cell phone back then with a camera because those didn't exist yet. And I didn't even have a film camera. I didn't have a Polaroid. I didn't have anything to document this. Unfortunately, it sucks because this is like the, the most paranormal thing that I've ever experienced. So I'm just standing there in disbelief. Like, oh my, like what is happening? Like, is this, am I dreaming? Like, oh my God, like what, what the fuck is going on? And then there's this two-story house that the portal is in front of. And now I'm like, I'm only like 15 feet away from it now. And I'm like, I don't want to step in it. I don't want to interact with these, with these entities, with these creatures, these demon mammals, like whatever they are. But I'm just standing there staring at it. And they just keep circling around and circling around. And then there's this two-story house that's, um, that the hole's in front of. Like the hole's in like basically their driveway. And there's this two-story Victorian-style house. And 
I, I hear a noise coming from the upstairs bedroom window. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't want to like scare anybody that's going to listen to this on headphones. So I'll try to reduce the volume of the noise, but I got to really try to exemplify the noise here that I heard coming from the upstairs bedroom. And it was like this. It was like, almost like a bat, but like human sounding, like a hiss, Mm -hmm. like a really, like a demonic, it was demonic. It was like a human owl. Yeah. And oh my God, man, dude, it was like, and then I looked up in the window and there's nothing there, but the window's open. And it was like, something was looking at me. Like you could just like feel like something was looking at me. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I go back and I look back at the portal and now the portal is spinning. It's spinning. And those things are jumping into it. There was three of them and then there was two and then there was one. And then it sucked. It sucked it. Like the things went into it and it, they spun around inside of it and they disappeared. And so did the portal. And then I looked up and the noise, the, the, the noise didn't happen again either. And I didn't feel like those eyes on me anymore either. Like the, like the experience was over more or less. So then first, first thing I do is I run over there and I like touch the ground, mm-hmm. like where the hole was, you know, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just, I'm listening. And, and I was like feeling like I like stomped down on the pavement, like, to see if there's like, like what, like, where did those things go? Like, Mm -hmm. what the hell is going on? You know? And I was just shivering. I was like, Whoa, that was crazy. But I wasn't like scared. I was just like, I was just like astonished. I was just like, man, this sucks. Nobody was here to see this because this is like so incredible. Mm -hmm. And then the noise, it was like somebody was watching me. So there was somebody there, you know, it wasn't like I was really alone. It's like, somebody knew what was happening and they like, they thought it was funny or they were trying to scare me. And like, I looked up and I was like, there's no way that was a trick of the light. Cause it was pure black. Now, if it was like a light source, like if it was like a white light or a blue light, it could have been a projection. Right. But it was black. Dude, nothing penetrated it. Like when those things were dancing around the portal, um, when the things were dancing around the portal, the, the lights from the street lights and the lights from the porch, like nothing was interacting. It was like its own thing. It was like on another dimension or something. Like it was not part of the visible spectrum except for what I saw. Yeah. So anyways, here's where the story gets a little bit more interesting. That's not even the end of the story. Wow. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about this because I've had very similar experiences. So keep going. Yeah. So obviously I go back every night and I want to see it again. Mm-hmm course it never happens again you know even though it's in my neighborhood and like i check every night and i used to go down that street every and this was the first time it happened after you know literally thousands of nights of walking down that street so anyways the interesting thing is is a few months later that house has a garage Mm -hmm. right during the day and i'm not going to tell them about it because i don't want to sound like a lunatic or anything but i notice it's a moving sale Mm -hmm. right i go over the books you know because i'm an avid reader and i start perusing the books what do i find books about paranormal about poltergeists like self-help books Mm. you know what i'm saying religious books about how to get rid of demons 
Okay. I find books about witchcraft. Right? Yep. The woman, the wife, is completely like she's so timid. She's like so quiet and like she's like she she's acting like the quintessential battered house. Like, you know, and I'm like yep. trying to be nice to her. And she's like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Like that, you know? Like, yeah. and she's always looking around, you know? And I look and I see this guy, right? Like, I assume it's her husband, right? And he's like staring at her. And then he shuts the door. And I'm like, that's the motherfucker that was hissing at me. Wow. And then <laughs> I, feel, I played off legit because I'm like, mm-hmm. I think this guy's on to me. You know? mm-hmm. I keep looking at the books and I find books about dealing with a abusive spouse. Mm. Like self-help books. Right? That's I also weird. find books about alcoholism and drug addiction. So I'm like, oh my God, this guy, this guy was getting high and getting loaded on booze and summoning shit that he couldn't handle. Yeah. And then they moved away and I never saw them again. Somebody bought the house. Somebody, somebody from Germany actually bought the house. Totally unrelated. Like, and they, they split, man. That's but I, I started putting the pieces together and I was like, dude, this guy was into fucking dark arts. He was a drunk, a drug addict, and a wife beater. And it all just culminated into this, this dark energy. That's my, that's my explanation. Yeah, that's that's weird. So, do you think maybe they got rid of the demons, and that's what you saw them jumping into that portal? Or I don't know what the hell. I mean, it's like almost like I interrupted uh, an incantation. Yeah, that's <laughs> dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, my eyes are watering. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up because. I've experienced something kind of similar and like, dude, that's bizarre. <laughs> and I just want to say, and I just want to say one more thing to everybody listening in, in case that dude's listening, you know, just by small world coincidence that, you know, that somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. I got nothing against you, brother. You know, we all make mistakes <laughs> and uh, I'm not, you know, I don't know what you're up to nowadays. If you're listening to this, or anything but uh you know sorry for uh interrupting your ritual or whatever but that's what i think it was and uh you know i hope you and your wife figured everything out and just in case you're listening man in case you're out there somewhere on the podcast airwaves uh tuning in tonight uh i got no problem with you i hope you uh got your life sorted out because it seemed like you were uh in some in some dark troubles there yeah that's that's absolutely bizarre man that <clears throat> You might have saved her life that night. You don't know. I mean. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it reminds me of this, um, this program I watched years later. It reminded me of it because there was this uh, story about these people moved into a house that had an organ. And the guy like got addicted to playing the organ and the organ like possessed him. And then all he would do is play the organ all day and all night. And then I guess his family left him. It was on one of those like discovery channel like things. Mm hmm. But it was like it kind of reminded me of that. But anyways, uh, what was your what's what's your uh, what's your opinion? What's what's your take on it as as far as it's uh, related to what happened to you? Well, 
I definitely think it's demonic, of you know, mm-hmm. and uh, my story. I mean, I, I've struggled with sleep paralysis from the time I was about 11 and we moved into our second house when I was in like sixth grade going into seventh grade. So I was right around 11, 12 years old. And I would see shadow figures very similar to that two dimensional, huge, just blacker than black. And they would stand in the corner of the room. And then sometimes they'd be on top of you and you feel like you can't breathe. And my whole life, I just assumed they were nightmares, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you hear sleep paralysis is just, oh, your body, your mind woke up before your body. Everyone tells you it's just nightmares and stuff like that. And I ended up having a pretty profound, lucid dream that ended in sleep paralysis, which got me onto this whole uh, truther quest back in like 2013 that's when i really started diving into conspiracies and spirituality and stuff but um the one with that happened to me i and when i met my wife in 2016 i really the sleep paralysis pretty much went away Mm -hmm. but in 2020 august of 2020 i had a really crazy episode of one and I've told this story a few times on the show, but I'll I'll tell you because I don't think you've heard this. Um, We lost power. My stepson was freaking out. And, um, you know, we so we went out for the night, whatever. We came back and the power was still out. So my stepson's freaking out. My son, who was three years old at the time, was asleep. So I put him in the room, in his bedroom, and I let my stepson sleep on the floor in our room because he was so scared. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Everyone went to bed and I woke up. I don't know what time it was. And I've kind of trained myself to always look at the time anytime one of these things happens. But for some reason, I just didn't look. I woke up because I heard my the door to my son's room opening. And I heard him kind of walking into our room. And I didn't pay attention to it. I was awake, but I, looking back at it now, I was in a sleep paralysis state but I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. And my son comes walking into our room. I hear our door open. I hear him walking on the floor. And, and uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Am I echoing on your end a little bit? No, no, everything's cool. Okay, good. Sorry. So anyway, <clears throat> I hear my son coming in and he comes over to my side of the bed. And again, I'm not looking at him or anything. And he climbs up onto the bed. He gets, you know, he's like knees me in the stomach, you know, gets in between me and my wife. And he does this all the time. So I'm not even thinking of this at the, I'm not thinking anything is weird. Right. And I didn't look at him. I didn't see him, but it felt like him. He's pretty heavy kid. He weighs, weighed like 60 pounds at the time and he gets in between us and then he starts kicking me. Hmm. And, you know, it's kind of normal. He's, you know, big kid whatever so he's kicking me and kicking me and i'm getting a little annoyed and then all of a sudden he's like really kicking me and now he's like doing these like almost like leg lunges like pushing me off the bed and i feel myself sliding off the bed like taking the blanket with me and everything and i finally like just turn and look and it's again i'm not making this up people have heard Mm -hmm. this before but it's what you described it's just this black portal this mass in the middle of the bed where I thought the sun was. And 
as soon as I turned to look at it, this screech that started happening, the best way I can describe it is kind of like, have you like seen Lord of the Rings, like the ring rates that high pitch mm-hmm. squeal they do? Yeah. It was like that with like, imagine two leaf blowers like hitting you on both sides of the head. Damn. And it just was like, just this insane noise. I like, <clears throat> feel like your head's going to explode and it's right. like, screaming at me and it felt like I, it was sucking me in. Yeah. And I could literally like feel like the atoms and molecules of my face being like pulled into this thing. And in my head, I just like screamed, Jesus Christ. And then poof, like a little puff of smoke, it just went away. Hmm. And I like snapped out of it completely. And I'm like feeling the bed. And I ran into my son's room and he's sound asleep on his bed. Whoa. And that shit fucked me up for like <laughs> probably about four or five months before I told anyone. Yeah, it was like a, it was like an imposter. Yeah, and like I did a little episode. It was like my third episode. I called it like to disguise myself or itself as my son. And dude, that thing, because I've had sleep paralysis, and it does mess with you. I do believe some sleep paralysis can be explained by science, but I do think there is a spiritual, almost demonic aspect to it as well. And it gets you in like a vulnerable state, and I hadn't had one in years. Mm-hmm. but because it came in and I thought it was like my son, it just, I don't know. That one got me. And then yeah. it's been a string of like weird paranormal shit going on since that encounter. Yeah. I mean, I got a, I got another story. It didn't happen to me directly, but um, it reminded me of your story. So I had these friends and they were brothers and they're like family to me. You know, I spend a lot of time with them. I, I hung out at their house from 2002 till 2010, like eight years, pretty much solid. You know, they were like my best friends and there was a lot of other people that hung out. It was kind of like a trap house kind of situation Yep. in the sense, like it was just all guys in their twenties, just getting high, drinking, making music, playing video games. It was like a frat house without, without the, without educa- the frat, <laughs> without, without the university. Mm-hmm. you know and people slept on the couch and we had big parties and you know just all kinds of like crazy stuff and um so the older sister of theirs used to live there is like the family home you know mm-hmm. and they had this antique armoire like one of those standalone big antique closets you know big solid oak you know thing that they that the mother had gotten for the older sister at an antique store in the 80s and so the youngest brother, and he was like 1920 when he took over the the room when she moved out. And um, so he he never had sleep paralysis before or the symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. And he started complaining about it. And he just was like, whatever, you know, I was too stoned or it was those mushrooms I took or, you know, something like that. He just kind of chalked it up to just like bad dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he noticed that it just, it started getting worse and worse. And then he started noticing, he put together the common denominator was, it was when he opened up the armoire. And he remembered that it was like, it was like duct taped. Like the sister had like put all this like tape and like all this crap in front of it so that it wouldn't open. Uh And he, he remedied that by removing the adhesive and, and he opened up the closet or the armoire and there was nothing in it. Like she never Mm -hmm. used it. And he was like, oh, that's weird. You know, like, 
because it was always like that. Like he thought, well, she took her clothes out of it, but he realized like, oh no, it's always been like blocked off, you know? Right. So she never used it either. Yeah. She never used it. And we didn't know that. So he told, um, he asked her about it. He was like, Hey, um, I know this sounds crazy and everything, but like, I've been having like really crazy sleep paralysis for months now. And I just kind of put it together. Like it happened when I started using the armoire and she's like, Oh yeah, it's haunted. You have to keep it shut. Like, <laughs> like just totally nonchalant, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, I don't like talking about it, but if you're going through it, I mean, I got to tell you the truth. And then he's like, so you never used it. And she's like, I used it when I was a kid and you know, things came out of it and it made me like scared. So I just like, did the instinctual thing of blocking it wow and then they're like you know him and his brothers and 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 i was there too and i was like well you didn't think to tell your parents and she's like no i was scared Mm -hmm. so she literally just barricaded it put all this tape over it and like tried to super glue it and um and just never talked about it and she grew up with that in her room but she said as soon as she did that it stopped wow and then he like unleashed it and then like the mom was pissed because she spent like $500 on it and, you know, 19 clickety clack, like, you know, 1985 or something. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to get rid of it at first. And they were like, well, it's haunted mom. Like, yeah, you know, and she's like, well, I'll take it, you know? And then I think she took it and um, then she got rid of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like she's like, yeah, yeah. There's something, she's like, I just, um, you know, and we're like, well, what'd you do with it? You know, and she's like, oh, I, I, I put it on Craigslist. And like, you, you, you pawn that off somebody else. <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, no, I, that's why. And then it stopped. It stopped. Once that thing was out of the house, it stopped. So that's like cursed object or like, you know, some type of nexus. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I, I believe in that 100% because when I was growing up, I had, I don't even know, we went to like Lake George <clears throat> up here, which is another kind of mud flood area too, a lot of old buildings and stuff, but mm-hmm. there was like all these, back in like the 90s, early 2000s, there was like all these cool like kind of head shops that sold, you know, cool pipes and all these like Native American type things, and I bought a dream catcher there one time, and I had it in my room for like years on end and i got rid of like one day like once i kind of woke up i was like i went through this phase where i was getting heavy into like the christian faith and i was like i'm getting rid of anything pagan you know and Mm -hmm. i got rid of that dream catcher and a lot of the activity stopped and i can't say that it was 100 percent that because i still did have some sleep paralysis but it died down quite a bit Cause I had this stupid thing over my bed. I never even thought twice about it, you know? Oh yeah. And yeah, that's wild though, but I don't know. And you know, like me and my wife, anytime we buy like antiques or we go to like Goodwill or something, people think we're crazy, but I sage the shit out of anything we buy, (laughs) you know, before I bring it in the house. Oh, absolutely. It seems to work, you know, maybe it's just superstition and, you know, power of will or whatever, but haven't had any issues with any old furniture or anything like that but yeah man that's that shit's real people don't not talking about it but that's crazy with the armoire man that's 
I wonder what it was. Was it just another portal? Was it? Just... Well, that's the interesting thing is he woke up a few times and he saw the man with the tall hat. Uh, okay. You know about the man with the tall hat? The hat man. Yep. Yeah, we've all seen him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that was weird, you know. And then he also he had that he had that common he had that commonality with a lot of other people where you feel like someone's like tugging at your feet. Mm-hmm. And then he also had that, um, that feeling of somebody standing over you and pushing down on your chest. Mm-hmm. And the room was really cold too. It was the coldest room in the house too. Yeah. So that was another thing that was, that was weird about it. And also the geometry of that room was strange because you walked in at a far corner of the room mm-hmm. and then the room was like a giant rectangle so oh. it was really long and skinny room it was it was a strange room to be in and we would smoke dope and listen to music in the dark in there and it was always like an out like i had out of body experiences in there well let's get into some of those <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, as long as um, as long as your listeners know um, that out of body experiences can be achieved very easily, you mm-hmm. can train you can train yourself. And with music, with music, it's really easy. I've had countless out of body experiences, and they were harmless. I've only had a few terrifying ones. Mm-hmm. But my advice to anybody who's looking to travel the astral projection road through uh, out-of-body experiences is to to listen to music that doesn't have um, words like uh, or lyrics, like instrumental music. Mm-hmm. Now, does frequency play into that, like playing it at 432 hertz or anything? <laughs> I've, never, I've never actually um, experimented with the frequency. I've, I've heard theories about it, and I believe it, and I've heard the, the theory that the music industry changed the standard in the 30s. Mm-hmm. from what is it it's what's the good one and what's the bad one i believe i'm not an expert in this at mm-hmm. all but i believe 432 mm-hmm. is the proper like the good mm-hmm. one and they switched it in 1930s right around the time like the Nazis. i think the nazis did it at first they changed mm-hmm. the standard to 440 hertz right which just throws it off and it, yeah but, that's what i heard i heard i didn't i i didn't hear it was the nazis though i've heard that it was actually like rca and you know the uh, american uh vinyl manufacturers of poly- I, or the I heard phonographic they, they, yeah they took that from the nazis and oh, okay. did that in like the 60s and switched <clears throat> oh, it over the 60s. okay yeah i've heard all kinds of different theories about it uh, my my opinion just being a, a person who's recorded music for the better part of two decades is that with electronic music one can obviously make whatever they want and it's not like a mastering standard coming from a record plant like in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just I don't really know um, unless you're testing every single song you're listening to. If there's any real consistency anymore, especially if you're listening to self-published you know, amateur music or stuff on YouTube or Bandcamp or even Spotify. Like I don't know if Spotify normalizes to 432 or 440 or, or anything. Right. But my, yeah, but my experiences with music and out-of-body experiences came mostly from ambient music and black metal. 
and I used to I used to make black metal music. I guess I still kind of do if I sometimes when I feel like it. But I used to be in black metal bands, and I listened to black metal a lot in two thousand four, two thousand five. So there was a time in in the year two thousand five when I was listening to a Swedish band uh, called the Abruptum. Mm-hmm. And Abruptum is uh, a two piece band, and they make the basically ambient black metal okay is it acoustic or is it oh no no it's it's electric it's electric and uh it consisted of two guys one was called it and the other guy was called evil and it was about six seven and evil was about four two wow (laughs) he was so he had a midget and an and and uh and uh exceptionally tall above average guy Mm -hmm. and they rented a studio in sweden that was used for a lot of black metal bands in the late 80s and early 90s called the abyss and their thing was is they would rent the abyss for a week and they would play the music they would record the music was mostly drums and guitars and chains and stuff like that and they would have songs that were like 45 minutes an hour long and they were just just there was a rhythm to it but it was a lot of just like ritualistic sound like very like hypnotic sound Mm -hmm. and then after they recorded the music they would do the vocals which was mostly just like screeching and not even lyrics they were just literally them just yelling Mm -hmm. now to achieve true kind of um they would self-flagellate in other words they would they'd whip each other they'd whip themselves they'd cut themselves with razor blades and glass. Mm. And so the guy that owned the studio, every time he rented them, he knew that he was going to have to to clean it up because he said that he would come in and there would just be blood and, and, um, and vomit. And it was like, they were in there killing each other half wow. to death. So yeah. I was listening to that, <laughs> you know, with my buddy and uh, in, in complete darkness. And there's this part in one of the songs where there's like a kick drum, you know, like a bass drum mm-hmm. that just gets increasingly faster and louder. Like it starts out like boom, boom. And then it goes to like boom, 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 boom. You know, like it's just banging, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this part in the crescendo where like it's going bang, 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 you know. And my friend and I were having like, I don't know if he was, but I was definitely having this out of body experience. And I felt like I was like, just traveling through like a void like some type of some type of abyss and then it ends like 10 minutes later and we're like whoa that was weird and we turn on all the lights and it's like on a one in the morning or something like that and then we hear the banging noise again Mm. and i go what the hell like the songs the stereo is turned off like what's going on and it's this guy it was his neighbor wanting to buy weed you know, so uh-huh. we opened up the door and he was um, he was a white dude, but he was, uh, you know, he was like, uh, we call it. Um, he was in the hip hop culture. OK, <laughs> so he's like, yo, 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 what's up? What's up? Mm-hmm. Like he sounded like you ever watch that show, Trailer Park Boys? J-Rock. <laughs> he was like J-Rock. He was like he was like the real J-Rock. Yeah, exactly. That's so he's like, he's like, yo, yo, what's up, Vito? That's my friend's name. Mm-hmm. He's like, what's up, Vito? 
yo, I was just, I just came by to get some of that weed. You know what I'm saying? And like, you guys were listening to some demonic shit in there. So I was just like banging real loud, <laughs> but he was banging at the same time that that kick drum. And so that's why it sounded so intense. That's wild, dude. So we let him in, you know, and he's like, what y'all listening to? And we're like, abrupt him. Like, damn, that sounds, that sounds dark. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty dark. And he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of dark shit, I was thinking, um, can I borrow that Necronomicon? <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And then, uh, so my friend's like, yeah, man, you can borrow the Necronomicon. He's like, word, word, you know, I spray paint. So I was thinking about doing some, some portals, you know, open up that gate to Ishtar right there on the freeway. You know what I'm saying? Like put it up on the, on the freeway and then people drive by, see the gate to Ishtar. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, <laughs> how does he know about the gates to Ishtar? You know, it was so fucking funny. Like the dude was a trip, man. He was like, he was a white dude super into rapping he made beats and rapped and shit smoked a ton of weed and now out of the blue he's asking for 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 the to borrow the necronomicon and we yeah. we let him borrow it and we're like you know this is like hp lovecraft is like he's an author like it's just it's kind of like it's just like fantasy you know that right and he's like yeah hey, whatever man i'm into some dark shit i'm gonna get i'm gonna get the dark lord on my side open up them gates no i'm saying no i'm saying <laughs> no i'm saying no i'm saying so i was like yeah dude like and then we drove by like, I don't know, like a week or so later. And sure enough, the motherfucker had done it. <laughs> he had spray painted the gates to Ishtar on the side of the freeway. Oh, oh man. Dude, that is it's, it's wild. And it's just like when two, it's like when two worlds connect, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy. So your friend had a Necronomicon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had all kinds of, he had books on, on runes and he had, um, you know, just witchcraft. I mean, he was in a black metal, so mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so he had a... Can we just like get a solid definite? Because I don't really <laughs> know the difference. I know, like, oh, okay. Let's, let's do a breakdown of that. Because I, I've listened to some metal. I like what's that one band? I, I think it's another Swedish band, but it's all acoustic. What are they called? Um, you might be thinking of um, uh, damn, what's the, I, I kind of have an idea of who you might be thinking of. I just can't remember their name not like right now. Sepulchre, not not Sepulchre. I, I don't know, but it's it's really cool shit. You know, it's all acoustic metal. But so black metal is. Let, let's break that down a little bit, just so the list. Oh, you might be thinking of Olver. Maybe. Maybe they're Swedish, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So the difference between like uh, black metal and thrash metal and uh you know what's the other ones like speed metal all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so the old metallica that yep. like up up until the early 90s when they became a little bit more mainstream but their early their first few releases that would be considered thrash metal and then you have like slayer slayer would be considered speed metal because mm-hmm. it was really fast and you had the, it wasn't death metal because the vocals weren't and then death metal is like bands like carcass or malevolent creation um and that's the one that has like the really like kind of vocals the growls and the the growls the deep the deep guttural kind of Mm -hmm. you know sounds and then it has they usually sing about war death um like politics you know usually usually anti like government kind of stuff like that's usually like the the motifs of death metal lyrics Mm mm-hmm and then black metal, see, black metal has become a lot more popular in the last 15 years. But there was a time when nobody really listened to black metal. And that's why 
a lot of people found it alluring was it was it was shunned because the black metal bands from Norway and Germany and even the ones in the United States, they never recorded properly. It was always recorded on very lo-fi equipment. Mm. It didn't have a lot of low end, like there was no bass. It was mostly treble. Okay. And a lot of black metal people, they wanted to sound like crap. Like that was kind of the point. They wanted it to sound like shit so that normies wouldn't listen to it. Gotcha. So they would, they would purposely record with, you know, the, the shittiest microphones and, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the difference with black metal is it has a more medieval kind of sound to it. Right. Is that like the Viking metal and stuff too? Or yeah. That... Viking metal was like an offshoot of, of black metal because okay. a lot of those guys were into Odinism or what's the other one? Uh, Astro, you know, like the worship of Thor and Odin and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that stuff has a more a closer relationship with power metal, like bands like Man of War, or even Iron Maiden kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Whereas black metal is um, black metal has a they use dissonant um, octaves more, and it gives it that and it has a fifth like the, what's called like the devil's notes, okay. the ones that were banned by the church in the Middle Ages, and it's. Um, yeah, it's it's complicated sometimes to know the difference, but it's like once you figure it out, it's like you never forget. Right. And then the thing with the corpse paint, like them wearing the black and white makeup on their face, that actually came from Germanic folklore with the Wild Hunt. If you're familiar, if you're familiar with the Wild Hunt, not really. No. What's so the wild, about? yeah, the Wild Hunt was something that the uh, pagan, barbarian, you know, German type uh, tribes like the Saxons, the Vandals, the Visigoths believed in, mm-hmm. like pre-Christian Europe. And it was like the wild ride was when Odin and Thor and the other gods of the um, of the Norse, uh, what's that called? The um, like their Partheon, their um, the Aesir. And they would ride in the sky and that was like the time for the for the pagans, for the um, the worshippers of Wotan or Woden to go around and terrorize villages, rape and pillage, you know, it was like their um, it was like they would put on the they would put on their the, the the paint to look like ghosts. Okay. So then the black metalers in the eighties they found out about this, and there was this big movement to reconnect with their pagan roots and reject Christianity, and burn churches down and all that kind of stuff. So that's why the black metalers started wearing the corpse paint. And then the Kiss people and the Alice Coopers come out and go, oh, that's us. They're copying us. Mm. And they go, no, we're not copying you. You are putting on clown makeup. We're trying to look like our ancestors. You know? So then in 1991, it started with the church burnings in Norway. There was this movement that got put out through like underground zines and through word of mouth like oh let's burn the churches down and so there was all the church burnings and there was the murders and there was all that kind of stuff and then there was a band from norway called dissection and the lead singer actually killed himself during a satanic ritual like he was like what you would consider more of an orthodox satanist he, okay he wasn't he wasn't a, a he wasn't a larper like leviathan like or what's that what's that guy anton levey Mm-hmm. He didn't practice Levian Satanism, which is basically just atheism with more steps. Okay. Um, I studied theology a little bit and obviously studied 
Satanism as it pertains to American culture. Like you see the emergence of it with, with Charles Manson, you know, being in with the process of the final church. Do you know about the, the church of the final judgment? No, let's, let's hear about that. Too. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the four pie movement and they're still around and the four pie. Move, I shouldn't even be talking about this, but whatever, man, I mean, things are, <laughs> Things are speeding up here towards the end of civilization anyway. So um, the four pie movement was started in the 60s in England, actually. And it was called the Process Church. And it was actually an offshoot of Scientology. They were ex-Scientologists who went off to, and they wanted to start their own thing. So Charlie Manson was a Scientologist. A lot of people don't know this. But he left. He left early on. And people asked him why. And he said it was too weird. <laughs> can you imagine that such <laughs> an uncle charlie telling you that scientology was too weird for him yeah that's that's, that's a red a flag <laughs> that's that's a red flag right there but anyways so the process church or the church of the final judgment or the four pie movement they fuck it man whatever there's videos about this anyways they were the ones that were going around with the mobile kill units Okay. Do you know about Son of Sam, David mm-hmm. Berkowitz? I looked this... into it a little bit. It's I, I think they're all psyops. You know. Well, no, this is it's a psyop. Yeah. Trust me, it's mm-hmm. all part of Project Chaos. If you know about Project Chaos, not specifically, but I yeah, yeah. like I said, I just kind of I've listened to a couple podcasts on how serial killers are pretty much psyops. So yeah. Oh yeah, no, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And um, but here's the thing. How, here's how it ties in with the um with with david berkowitz he was a member and so they were able to, to to kill all those people in new york and in yonkers and this is your area more or less mm-hmm. so there was a particular murder that happened in yonkers and then there was another one that happened in the bronx i believe and they're like there's no way he got from there to there so right. they they but they wanted to pin it on him because you know he was saying that his dog was talking to him and or the neighbor's dog drove him crazy <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was the official explanation is that he was totally fine, but his neighbor had a dog and the dog wouldn't ever stop barking and it drove him crazy or some, some nonsense. And so anyways, yeah, he said one time he gave an interview. He said, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, this is a part of a big thing. And so a little bit after that, someone came into the shower when he was in prison and they tried to slit his throat. And he never talked about it again. And somebody asked him about it. They're like, hey, what was that uh what was that that group that you were talking about that, that goes around killing people? And he goes, I don't uh I don't talk about that anymore. Interesting. And yeah, that's it's kind of synchronistic. <laughs> My brother used to be a um a counselor at Shawangunk prison where Son of Sam is, and he I tried to ask him about some stuff, but he's like, yeah, no one, he's just there, you know, he's in his spot and you see him once in a while, but he he was kind of on the same page. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. The whole thing is very weird. Yeah. No, you see that with like, with Sirhan Sirhan, you know, the guy that shot Robert Kennedy, Mm -hmm. you know, he says, I don't remember doing it. Yeah. And then uh, they gave him a polygraph, you know, lie detector tests and all that. And he didn't, uh, he didn't fail. Yeah. When, when they asked him if he remembers killing Robert Kennedy. 
you know, so that was, I was obviously a Manchurian candidate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, four pi, like I said, and then they're, they're, they're kind of like the order of the nine angles. Do you know about the order of the nine angles or the O9A? No. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, I mean, this is kind of like. The We're going down the... the rabbit hole, man. I'm getting a good education. So. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's what you want to talk about, because I can, we can, we, you know, we can talk about whatever. Hey, like this is interesting to me. So let's, let's hear a little bit about it. All right. So the, the order of the nine angles, a lot of people, sometimes they, they misread it as the order of the nine angels, but you know, angels and angles is spelt very similarly. It's all word magic. Yeah. So order of the nine angles actually comes from their insignia. Their insignia is like a sigil mm-hmm. that has nine points and it looks kind of like, um, it looks kind of like your standard pentagram. Okay. But it's obviously, it's a little bit different. You can look it up later. Mm-hmm. If you search order of the nine angles or O nine a and O nine a is, they're interesting. They're they're a really interesting group. They're very intriguing because they're they're right leaning. They're right wing, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So O nine A is more of like almost like a terrorist organization. And I'm not trying to say that to to badmouth them because I don't really know them, but that's how the government classifies them. One of the reasons that they're on the terrorist watch list is because they're so independent. Like there's there's no leader. Like mm. you, anybody can claim to be a member, but the thing is, is you can't really claim to be a member in earnest with a clean conscience, unless you actually follow the rules that they put forth and you can follow those rules or not, but they do have the basic guidelines. And the basic guideline is that you find somebody when you start your initiation, it's all self-induced. In other words, it's a, it's an honor system. You can only cheat yourself. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you find somebody that you trust. It could be your wife. It could be your brother. It could be your best friend. It could be anybody. And you tell them and you say, I'm going to go away for a while, but I need you to feed me. And they go, well, how am I going to feed you if you're going to go away for a while? And what you do ideally is you find a place where you're not going to be bothered for 90 days. It could be a cabin in the woods it could be theoretically, it could be a rental. It could be a boat. It doesn't matter. Right. Preferably they, they say you should go into the woods or the desert and you trust and you don't bring any food and you don't bring any water and you go to a place where there is no food or water and you don't bring any money. Okay. And that person is to come and visit you once a week with a week's worth of food. And you trust that they're going to keep coming back and you're not going to starve to death. And if you leave, if you, if you, if you bail, well, then you got to start over. You failed, you, but you failed yourself. Interesting. And that person betrayed you or, you know, Hey, what if they died? Well, they'd have no way to contact you. Right. So do you starve to death or do you, you you nope out and start over how is there a time limit of how for 90 days right you said yeah huh you don't read anything you don't talk to anybody you don't talk on the phone you don't do anything except think and sleep okay that's step one (laughs) okay step Uh two is 
uh, for an extended period of time. And I might not have all the steps in order. That's definitely the first one, though. Mm-hmm. But another one of the major steps is you have to do this thing where you immerse yourself in the complete opposite ideology that you truly believe in. To know your enemy. (laughs) (laughs) To know your enemy and to also to gain some perspective. It's like, right. So if you were like a militant, you know, Christian, you would become a militant Islamist or what, or, or Satanist. Okay. But obviously, if you're a Christian, you probably wouldn't be getting involved with the Order of the Nine Angles. Probably not. <laughs> right? I mean, theoretically. Mm-hmm. So anyways, so there's like that. And that's like, that's very deceptive. And that's why it's a little strange because it's like, well, why would you want to waste your time doing something like that? But they say it's to gain perspective and and all that kind of stuff. And they also just, they have so many members, and they but they don't they don't communicate with it with each other there's no meetups there's no churches there's no it's like the only way you would know if somebody was like a member is if they had like the patch on their jacket or something like that okay and they're a fringe group i have no problem with them personally i don't know any members i don't know i'm not here to cast judgment on them at all i'm very open-minded i find them very interesting i like the self-discipline with that first step that I explained, I think that that would take a tremendous amount of patience and trust and faith Mm -hmm. for sure. But like I said, you know, they are, uh, well, I shouldn't say they, but certain members are, um, are definitely um, militarized. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons they're on the government watch list and some members have been arrested for domestic terrorism. And that's another reason why the government continues to monitor certain um, members activities and they can't, they can't crack it though, because there's nothing to crack. There's no leader. Yeah. That's wild. So how does that tie back to black metal? Oh, there's, there's, there's black metal bands that are, you know, members. connected with that. But um, okay. I had a, I had to get back to the out of body experience thing. I had an yeah. out of body experience where I was listening to this band called, Von Graven and Von Graven is what we would consider dungeon synth. And that's okay. a whole other, that's a whole other genre. And that's like medieval music played with synthesizers, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of ambient noise, like rivers and water. And I remember listening to that album and I was laying down, I started floating and I went to, um, I had my eyes closed obviously, but I, I felt my body lift up. You ever have that feeling? I have. Was there, I describe it as like almost like turbulence. You feel yourself kind of. Yeah. It's like a trembling kind of at first and then you stabilize. Yep. And I was going, I went to Rome and I looked at the Parthenon and then I went to the necropolis and then I went to, um, to the, and then I went to ancient Rome. I was like basically going through ancient Mediterranean. That's amazing. Now, was it in, it's like glory days or in modern time? Oh, no, it was like in like in ancient times, like in uh, like the days, the days of those. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever tried to do it again with like San Francisco or, you know, you know, in that's interesting. I should I should do that now. I haven't had I haven't purposely tried to have an out of body experience in in a very long time because it just requires so much silence. Yeah. 
yeah, it's kind of like and i'm just i've just been so busy lately yeah that's a good um uh, that's a good idea that's that's something that i should definitely try to put some time aside to do yeah because it's just such an over i mean it's the <clears throat> i think it's the great reset and i'm sure you agree too like you know it's one of those time periods that no one really talks about like the early 1900s what do we learn they're you know immigrants came but how did the who built these cities beforehand it would just be so fascinating to time travel or go back in time and just get a glimpse just to see what it looked like before no i yeah and i think that i think that north america and australia and new zealand are actually the key because in europe people are used to really old buildings right now in america i can't speak for australia and new zealand I've never traveled abroad, but one thing I can say about the Americas is growing up and I would see old buildings in San Francisco and in Los Angeles and in Sacramento and other like big cities and small cities too. That's the other weird thing is there's like these old world looking buildings and like towns of populations of like a few hundred. Mm -hmm. But anyways, and I would see these old buildings They were city halls, they were county government buildings, you know the domes, you know, the marble, the checkered floor, all that. <clears throat> and I'd say, oh, uh, <clears throat> these buildings look really old. You know, when I was a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. And then my parents or, you know, another uh, adult would say, oh, they're they're 100 years old. Yeah, it's 100 years old. Like, and that's, I think you're, yeah, yeah, and that's, but that's where I'm going with it. Exactly. You see where, you see where this is going. Exactly. They have to do the reset roughly every hundred years they can't do it to europe See? right because europe's got these old buildings right so what do they do they slowly start they're not going to rebuild notre dame no i don't think so not in the same way it's not going to look the same it's going to be and then in a hundred years you know so they, they have to like kind of approach it a little bit different there but you see like brutalism architecture mm -hmm. replacing the old world you see postmodern, and it's happening here too mm -hmm. they're they're getting rid of the old buildings left and right yeah you know and, and they're going to keep a few and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and they're going to refacade them and they're going to slowly start taking away the evidence they can't do it all at once because then it'll be too obvious and suspicious but yes there's that there's that oh that's a hundred well those buildings the ones that i some of the ones that I saw when I was a kid that were quote unquote a hundred years old, mm -hmm. they got torn down. So there's no, it's like you have to, eventually you have to start destroying the evidence because otherwise it's, it becomes too apparent that there's some type of uh, problem. And that, the thing that I've been getting into lately, people have been doing you know, the research on is that extra Roman numeral that makes it look like the buildings are older. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just put a one in front of it. Right. <laughs> and and then the other thing that I'm getting into is the J that gets mistaken. Like the, and then there's like the, the, it's like supposed to be, um, what is it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, can't think of it right now, but there's a connection with the mistranslation of dates and that we might be off by like 700 years. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that kind of ties into Europe too. They don't really, they just stretch the timeline out, you know, or they mm -hmm. shrink the timeline, I should say. But like, 
or no, maybe they do stretch it out. I don't know. But like, I know what you're talking about. The letter J was the, the, the ruler, right? Yeah. Beforehand. And it was like the, the ruler and then, and then the year and mm-hmm. then over time, it just became a one. Right. That's yeah. That's it. That's how it connects. Mm-hmm. And then I heard also that the letter J wasn't really used until a certain year. I can't remember right now. So when people say Jesus Christ, was it right around like the 1600s when they did the King James <laughs> version, or yeah, earlier than that? Well, it probably ha- it probably has something to do with that. Mm-hmm. But here's the here's the deal. I identify as a Christian, but not as a Judeo Christian. Mm-hmm. In other words, the melding of the two religions—that's not the type of Christianity that I subscribe to. I think that they're throughout time. And then we can get into like the Demirge and all that and all that stuff. But through time, there's been multiple paths to God and he's come from different names and he sends different prophets and different messiahs. But in this current age, my relationship the what what i can see as 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 a um, as a path to god in my life i guess would be what people call jesus christ mm. now obviously some people have a problem with that because they've been indoctrinated now the commonality that i see is the people who don't respect christianity have a lot of problems with their own personal lives in other words they see jesus christ as, as getting in the way of their pleasure mm-hmm. and they have a they have an evangelical um like they think we're all like bible thumper and we're like fire and brimstone you know and right. what they what they don't understand is that the old world and the and the and the new world and all that kind of stuff when they reject God, and I don't just mean like when they reject Christianity, but when they re- like when they're like militant atheists, you know, trust the science type people, you know what I mean? Yep. They're summoning their own doom. You know, I would agree with that, too, because I've never met a happy atheist. No, they're all bitter and they're just little uh, contrarians, you know. They're like curmudgeon, or, um, <clears throat> you want to call them. But party yeah, poopers, they're man. They're just oh. party poopers. <laughs> they're little, yeah, they're little smart Alex. You know, they just they're like the types of people that always just want like what's that meme that actually they're like the actually type people, you know, they always just have to like chime in like well actually. Right. <clears throat> you know and that's that's my thing. It's like if someone's not hurting someone else, like why the hell do you have to go and just ruin someone's good time if someone believes wants to believe in whatever faith and they're they're a better person because of it why would you go in and like ruin their day i just don't understand it and like i said i've never met a happy you know atheist exactly and you know the 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 thing about them is they say that you don't need that you don't need god or a god or gods to have morals and i i disagree because if you take away that aspect of, of the influence that Western civilization has had on the Americas and Europe, and you take away this um, 
the influence that the Eastern religions have had on on Asia and so forth, like Hinduism mm-hmm. or Buddhism. Those are those are real religions. And you know, people think that Buddhism is like spirituality. Buddhism is not spirituality. It's a religion. It's a monotheistic religion. And I think I was talking to the great, the guy um, on Great Deception. Is it John? Matt. Matt. Sorry, I'm. I've been doing so many podcasts this week. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I explained it to him. A, a lot. What a lot of people don't understand about Buddhism is that in Buddhism and Dharma, it states that women will never achieve Nirvana. Now that's their, that's their, that's literally what Buddha, a real Buddhist believes in. That's what the Dalai Lama believes. That's what all the Buddhist monks in, in Tibet believe is that a, females do n- will never achieve nirvana. It is impossible. According to them, it is impossible for a woman to achieve nirvana. So when you meet these like hippy dippy, you know, type uh, women, girls, and they're like, oh, I'm a Buddhist, you know, and that kind of thing. They, they don't, they, they're proving that they don't study it. Right. You know, how people feel like women are like subjugated under Christianity. Well, women are subjugated under true Buddhism. Yeah. And, and you know, I didn't know that until I heard you talk about that. On- oh, yeah. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. It's in the Dharma. And um, with Islam. In Islam, women are, you know, a different rung. And in Hinduism, it's like every major religion has commonalities with the problems that these quote-unquote atheists or quote-unquote secular spiritualists, whatever the hell that means. I don't understand that one, like, for a second. It's like they want all the good. They don't want any of the bad. And what they consider bad is rules, regulations, you know, responsibility, punishment, atonement, prayer. You know, it's, 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 it's really fascinating. I know we're getting a little picture, but... This happens when I talk about this stuff because, in my opinion, it's all connected. And I've really been saying that a lot lately on these podcasts because I want people to try to at least explore that option that we are all connected and that with the resets because what happened, we're still reading books that were written centuries ago. We're still studying people's minds that have been dead for half of a millennia. Right. Because there's uh, some common ground there. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, like, because mm-hmm. I, I tend to believe, because I, I went through, like, the Hebrew Roots movement, and I tend to believe, like, a lot of the Torah and <clears throat> some of the Old Testament, too, is just, like, deep state propaganda. So do you think, like, other, I, I think other religions would probably be similar. Are you kind of under the impression that these religions are the actual truth and they are the old texts or do you think they've been manipulated to do stuff like you know not let women achieve nirvana or like in the torah it's like you know a woman on her period has to be separated for seven days and things like that do you think that's man-made manipulation over time or do you think that's how it really was and what they truly believe i think that whenever you have whenever you have a set of rules and this isn't to say that rules and authority and structure are a bad thing, but I think that whenever you have a, a, a an order to be manipulated by man, mm-hmm. and it will be manipulated by man, mm-hmm. but that that those rules have been worded 
and adulterated to the point where people just accept that as the status quo, as in to say nobody really knows that something's wrong until somebody disagrees with it. That's true. So I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the concept of a religion having its rules. If you choose to adhere to them, now, I guess the problem is what people have a problem with is when they don't separate church and state, like you have like a monarchism or you have a theocracy. Mm-hmm. But my, <clears throat> my stance on that is that I think that's actually what America needs at this point, unfortunately, is a monarchism. Because when you have a monarch, he can be under the rules of, of monarchism, he can actually be he can actually be removed by the people as like with the Caesars. Mm -hmm. When you have a democracy, it spreads out the, the blame and it spreads out the brain. Like we have a quote unquote democracy in America. Right. And we're like, we're, we're taught that it's like the best thing in the world. And it's worth sending our sons and daughters off to die in foreign land to protect. And it's worth, it's worth everything. We have to protect democracy. Now, at one point, maybe that was true. Maybe that there was a better point. But the problem is that we have corporations and we have major news. We have, okay. And they can put out commercials and they can put out basically to get you to vote a certain way. Yeah. And, and, and then that's, that and that's goes into the whole 1871, the rewriting of the Constitution to make America a corporation and all that. Right. So mm-hmm. how is it fair... How is it actually fair to call this a democracy when the people, the voters, can be heavily manipulated and medicated and persuaded to vote in the favor of the corporations? Right. right. And then you really dive into it. That's two wings of the same bird. Right. But so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> exactly. But see, the problem is, is that when you mix politics with personal philosophy, in other words, there's a right wing philosophy and then there's the right-wing politics. Like you have the GOP, and then you have an ideology that might be more associated with the right wing. Now, personally, just to put myself in a box or to label myself, because I don't really have a problem with that depending on the label or depending on the box, mm-hmm. I do it. If somebody said, well, are you right-wing? Are you left-wing? Are you no-wing? I'd say, no, I do, I, I do lean right. But in the traditional sense, not like MAGA, not like GOP, not like, um, you know, uh, what's the guy, uh, Reagan, yeah. you know, in the, in the more of the sense, I believe that might is right. I do. I do see I study nature and I study absolutes and I see that being true. Like the left is like they try to hold up lies and feel the work off of emotions and these like feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And you can't rule a country with feminine energy. You can rule a country with masculine energy. And that's like a rule of nature. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I, I like the natural law thing. Yeah. You know, there is no, how am I going to say this? Yeah. I, I just, mm. I, I would agree with you. You know, I, I tend to lean more right as well. But when it comes to like freedom of speech, freedom of you know expression, as long as it's not hurting anyone, I'm all for that as well too. Oh, I I I I I I, I, 
can see the I can see the argument there, but we've seen what free speech has done now. Like, yeah, I, I know it's tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to like, but that's assuming that everybody's not going to abuse it to 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 get rid of it. So you can actually use free speech to destroy it. Oh, of course. I mean, you can allow people to just be whatever they want and say so. Whatever. Exactly. So what what the left and the right and even people in between that identify as no wing, they all want the same thing. Utopia. Mm-hmm. Now, once you achieve your utopia, what do you what kind of like it's not a good thing, but what would come naturally is let's get rid of any like we have it all set up. It's perfect now. Get rid of anyone that doesn't agree. Exactly. With mm-hmm. You see, and that's just human nature, because think about it. You have like you have your party decorations. You're going to have this like, big party. You are gonna have a big surprise party for one of your friends. Right. And you set up all the streamers and the balloons and the cakes and everything's all like, you know, like primo. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes in and says, oh, I want it like this. And I want all different colors and it doesn't shouldn't be like that should be over there. And you're like, no, 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 it's perfect. Just leave it alone. And you literally have to stop that person from fucking with the, the, the arrangement. Yep. Okay, well, that's how that is. And it's like once they get their totalitarian state, then that's it. Then they don't have to worry. They got it all set up. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, man. It's almost like, I hate to say, but it's almost like you have to divide it. And like, if, you, if this, this is what you people want, you go over this way. This is what you people want. But it's impossible. Exactly. And, you know, I, and I studied and I studied anarchism in like 2005, 2006. I was um, reading books about anarchism, you know, not because I was like an anarchist, like a punk rock anarchist, but like legitimate, like intellectual form of, of the, the academic, you know, independent anarchism. Mm-hmm. And I abandoned that or, I, you know, I, I concluded my research after I realized, like, you can try to create an anarchist state, but once somebody says, hey, I'm going to go over to the other side of the hill and I'm going to start capitalism again. Anybody who wants to come with me can come over to my side of the valley and I'm going to, you see, because with anarchism, you're, it's leaders without masters. Like, literally translated, it, it means without leaders. So it's mm-hmm. a very, it's a willing participant <clears throat> it's a willing participant um ideology right so unless everyone has their own independent state i mean it's never going to work it's never going to work because if a capitalist comes along and he makes his he makes his village more appealing it's going to attract more people and then it's going to turn into a city then it's going to turn into a, a you know to what we have right now what we had before social media now see that's the thing with social media is it's like a double-edged sword because gave people a platform right and i i love this speech that you went into on the great deception because these are the people that never i'll let you say because you say it so much better <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah I'll, I'll i'll go into that one for your listeners so my my hypothesis my theory is that there was a period of time when and we all knew anybody who's born in the eighties or before will know what I'm talking about. When we had these people that we called shut-ins, we called them basket cases. We called them losers. We called them uh, misfits. 
and they were like the types of people at parties, you know, that would say, Hey, can you turn the music down? Or, you know, uh, I don't like this. And, and then everybody like shut the fuck up and then they leave or whatever, you know, and these were the types of people who got wedgies and, and I, I'm not trying to sound mean to anybody who might fit this archetype broken out of their shell or is currently going through a period where they feel that way because the, the lesson is, is you have to, you have to show iron will, like you have to grow up. You have to, you have to speak like, if you're not being heard, speak louder. If you're getting pushed around, push back. If you're getting bullied, defend yourself. But anyway, I digress. The point is, is that these, all these people have a platform now and they don't have to grow a thicker skin. They're encouraged to have thin skin and they can gang up on people and they can, cancel people now that was not a possibility people tried to do it back in the day with like picket signs and try to put ads out in the newspaper but in the end people just didn't really pay these people too much attention it just wasn't part of the american culture the american culture at the time was to basically ignore those types of people and tell them to you know grow up or to get a life remember when people used to say that a lot yeah get a life dude get a life (laughs) Mm mm-hmm you know, it's like, bring that back. Yeah. Is this, is this podcast going to go on YouTube or anything? Is there any words that I shouldn't say? No, no, I don't put anything on YouTube. So it's, All right, you remember unconventional, man. How, how old are you? <laughs> roughly? I, I'm 30 years old. I just turned 30. All right. Well, so you may or may not remember this. And I don't know if this was going on in upstate New York, but it was definitely a thing out here in California. And if it was a thing in California, it was probably a thing out there. Do you remember when people would just yell things at you? Like you'd just be like walking down the street and some car would drive by, like a group of teenagers or people in their early 20s, and they would just like yell some derogatory term at you? Oh, yeah. It would happen. That all the time. never happens anymore. No. No. It, it's, it's insane. I mean, like I was in a small town, like growing mm. up, and it's like we did that stuff up until I graduated in 2009. And then, like nowadays, though, this is so crazy. I um, I was at the playground with my son, right? He's four. Mm-hmm. And there was like a group of probably, I, I would say they're like 10, 10, 12 year old kids. And they were like, so polite. And they were like, hey, man, take it easy on him and, and stuff. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were 10, 12 years old, we were like beating the shit out of each other. Oh, yeah. We'd have rock fights. Yeah. And it's like, these kids are like, hey, man, that's not nice to say. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. Pamby Pamby culture. You know, people try to warn us about this, you know, and a lot of it. Were you raised? Um, are your parents Gen Xers or boomers? My parents are boomers. Yeah, my parents were boomers, too. Mm-hmm. So they didn't fall for it as much. But there was this big push in the 80s, and especially in the early 90s. And this is why you know, people that were born later, more affected by it. But you remember like the, the whole inner child thing? Like get in oh, touch with your inner child. You know, I, I wasn't raised with that. <laughs> no, but, but you're familiar with the concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Look into that. Look into who started that. Like, I, I don't know all the names and the places right now, so I'm not going to waste your listeners time, you know, babbling. But look into that. And basically, that was a failed experiment. Okay. That was a huge disaster, and that's why you don't hear about it anymore. Yeah, it's a bunch of about it in like some like yogi circles and stuff. Well, yeah, like it's that. changed. It's changed names. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like morphed into like this new thing. 
but that's part of why we have this problem with the Gen Xers. See, luckily you weren't, and I wasn't raised by Gen Xers because technically I could have been. Like if my parents, like I have an older brother and he's a Gen Xer, but he was technically, if he would have had a child when he was really young, he could have been like, there is people that have, they're our age and they actually do have parents that are Gen X. Mm-hmm. But the commonality is like, I was raised in a more analog. Like I wasn't allowed to have video games. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. I couldn't watch. Um, I couldn't watch sitcoms like situation comedies because my dad thought it was going to teach me and, and it was going to program me to talk back and be a smart ass. Yeah. And he would make me watch them, but it was like studying them. Like once in a while, he'd be like, okay, let's study this one. And you know, I'm like, seven years old mm-hmm. and he's telling me about subliminal programming like she's showing me like you see they laugh you hear the laughing right they're telling you what to laugh at it's yeah and he's like nobody farts right nobody burps and if they do it's like a joke it's like the house is always clean it's scripted you see the screen he, he showed me how like theatrical how ridiculous it was Right. And listen to one of those shows without the laugh track. If you can find like an episode of Seinfeld or, well, Seinfeld is kind of fun. Yeah. I think people have done edits. You yeah. Can find like, one on YouTube. Take the laugh track. Where people out. have removed the, the laugh track. And they're just dead. Like it's not yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, 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 it's actually kind of like uh, funny in like an absurd, like kind of way. Right. Yeah. Like surreal kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so getting back to that. So basically, like, my dad, you know, he was a madman by today's standards, even by his, he's passed away. He passed away in 2011. But he predicted a lot of this stuff, and he told me a lot of this is going to happen, and it, and it has, especially with the, um, with this, with this movement of being really soft and, and being, like, very anti-traditional values, he warned me that this was going to happen and i'm not saying that he was like some type of psychic or some type of mystic guru or anything like that i think he just he saw patterns emerging mm-hmm. and he was just tuned into like he, he was just like smart and he could just see where it was going he could see the road that we were on but one of the things that was interesting is i was up really late one night i was like 11 years old and you ever see that movie they live yep all right i'd never seen it before and it was like four o'clock in the morning and they were playing it on like a local TV station. It was like the late, late, late movie, you know, like right like after the infomercials, but before the news would come on. Mm-hmm. And I was just like watching it. I was like, whatever, some 80s movie, like whatever. And then he puts on the glasses for the first time. And I was like, whoa. And I got like kind of scared, you know, it was like kind of freaky. Like these guys have like kind of like weird eyes and their skin's like falling off, you know? Mm-hmm. So I go, oh, my dad um, would probably like this. So I go into his room. And he was an insomniac, so he was awake. And uh, I go, hey, hey, dad, uh, there's this weird movie on. And he goes, oh, okay, let's see. Because he did like, he liked movies. You know, he liked certain, he, he, he watched a lot of movies and TV shows that were like historical or educational. So anyways, so he puts it on. And he goes, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. He knew it. He'd seen it. You know. And so we watch it, you know, we're watching, he's doing like his own little commentary on, he's telling me what the real meaning of it is and everything. And he goes, he goes, boy, I'm going to train you. And when you're done, you're not going to need the glasses to see them. 
and it's a hundred percent true. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. And you, you don't need the glasses and no. you don't need to look up, you know, their Wikipedia or anything like that. You, you just, you know, like what their angle is They're you know, there are people who are like, you remember like when the woman's like, I got one that can see mm-hmm. and she talks into her Apple watch. Yep. That's a fucking Apple watch, dude. Yeah, back in when was that movie made? 80... Dude, that that movie was made in like 1985 or 86 or something like that, I think. Yeah. I want to say somewhere in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the early 80s and it wasn't the late 80s. It was like that period in between. It was like 86, 87, 85, yeah. 85 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they filmed it in 85 and then it was released in 86, you know, because movies back then it took like a year to come out. Right. The drone. Remember he shoots the, the thing that he can only see with the sunglasses? Yep. That's a drone. Mm-hmm. It's a quiet drone. I, I, dude, that movie is just... <clears throat> I watched it recently, and it's like... It, it's just... However he got that out there, I don't understand. <laughs> and that, and you know, and I'm thinking, I never thought about this before, but this, this, this conversation is activating my almonds a little bit. You know... It's kind of a metaphor for the old world, too. Because it's like the old world would be like what you would see with if you had the glasses off. Mm-hmm. And then you put the glasses on. Remember, you could see all the satellites and you could see all the, you know, and when they, in the end, when I'm sorry if nobody's seen the movie, but there might be spoilers, but it's just, we, you know, you and I are not long enough. <laughs> it's one of those movies like you yeah, haven't seen it by now. Like, okay, and it, you know, just go watch it, whatever, you know, if you, whatever. But, you know, in the end when he can like and he goes to the, the place and he can see everything. Mm-hmm. That's like the new world. Yeah, that's what they're going to start. Like, that's like 5G. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be such a fun to get a couple people together and just <laughs> do like a <laughs> mystery science theater breakdown of that movie. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm, I'd totally be down with that because I've seen it you know, a few times. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the copyright and legalities of that are, but <laughs> I think people do that on YouTube. They, as long as it's like, as long as you're talking a lot, I think it's fine. Okay. I mean, you have to look uh-huh. into that. But there's people that definitely do like live. What's that called? Like live reaction or whatever. But um, yeah, no. I mean, it's like remember that part where they're trying to the guys like trying to talk at the homeless camp through the TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we got now? In Los Angeles, in the country actually, but Los Angeles is really bad, and San Francisco with the homeless camps. Mm-hmm. Okay, now when he's talking to them through the set, and they're broadcasting from the church with the satellite dish, but he's like breaking up because they're hacking in the the news signal. Right. That reminds me of like now nowadays when I watch certain people on YouTube that do live streams. Yeah, they cut out. They activate the algorithm. And then they start getting all choppy and you got to refresh, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it reminds me of that. It's like the same kind of concept, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's scary, man. It really is like people. And I'm at this point in my life now where I'm not even trying to like wake people up anymore. No. Hey, hey I say the same thing. Mm-hmm. If they're it, our it, age, if they're, if they're as old as me or as old as you. Yeah. Like if they're in their thirties, and they don't see it for what it is. It's like, it's too late. Like, I don't have time. Right. Like, you're already in the system. You're already indoctrinated. I could tell you facts all day long, but you're not going to hear them. 
so I'm not going to waste my time. But. It's just, I just don't have the time. I literally don't have the time. Like, I'm doing the podcast because I know a lot of people are going to listen to it. And it's not like, it's not like just, I, I'd have this conversation with like a buddy, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody who's been like initiated into the, 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 whatever you want to call it. You know, I wouldn't even call it the truth movement. See, I, I've got, I've got friends that I've known for 30 years. I mean, I, people I grew up with, like we are literally like little kids. Mm-hmm. I got a buddy coming over later to, uh, to visit me. I've known him since 1995. Like, and he's always stayed up with everything. Like I can talk about whatever I want with him. I get these comments on my YouTube channel all the time. And people are saying, thanks for your videos. It's really refreshing to know that I'm not the only one who thinks about this kind of stuff. I can't talk to this stuff with my family or friends. They all think I'm crazy. Yeah. I had a guy left, left comments saying that his wife left him because I, he didn't want to get the, um, yeah. Well, one thing is he didn't want to get the, you know what? Yep. In his, in his arm. Mm-hmm. And she left and then he was also into, you know, some other stuff. And he he actually, well, she was threatening to leave, but he actually, he ultimately left because he's like, I can't have a conversation with you anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's scary, man. It's so scary how they're just, I, I want to stay optimistic and say it's not too late, that the human spirit is stronger than it. But mm-hmm. you look around and it's pretty doom and gloom because there's just so many people lining up to do xyz and it just they they don't and what who what was it um i can't remember right off the top of my head but they said uh, the point of uh, nihilism it's nihilism like oh yeah facts and facts aren't heard anymore no uh nihilism or nihilism however you want to pronounce it Mm -hmm. is a huge enemy because it's like it's like the whole idea of there, of there being no God. Yeah. All right. Now, if somebody's agnostic, somebody is undecided, but they're, they're open, you know, that, that's cool. I can, you know, I can, I can work with that. But when somebody totally is just like, they think that they're related to rocks, <laughs> you know, like the rocks are their ancestors and they're like cosmic dust. It's like, Hey, look, man, you ain't cosmic dust. That's not how it works. You can't be related to something that's already out in space. Like when, like, did you know that our bodies are comprised of the same thing that stars are made out of? And it's like, what do you mean? Like iron? Right. <laughs> like it's in our blood. It's a mineral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means that we're related to stars. You know, it like means a... there's a creator that mm-hmm. <laughs> uses similar materials in all forms of life. They're building blocks. Yeah. Whether it's intelligent design or you believe in the, the Big Bang hoax, you know, because that's the thing about the Big Bang. But I don't even want to get into that right now. What I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say, when you take away God, you take away any paranormal, any supernatural, any kind of a higher power, then you're saying, like, hey, I can kill you. Right. And like, no, 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 no. Well, no, because they're saying like, oh, no, 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 you can't kill me because it's, that's wrong. It's like, why is it wrong? If there's no God, then nothing matters. Yeah, that's true. They get their <laughs> morals from religion. They're living off the fumes of Western civilization. They want to get rid of it because we built up this, not perfect, but we built up a pretty good 
society. We built up a pretty good system and they want to knock it down. Do you know there is more of a demand for injustice than there is a supply? For what what was that again? Injustice. Injustice, you know, mm-hmm. inequality, whatever that whatever their buzzwords are, racism. Mm-hmm. There's more of a demand than a supply. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. They have to make shit up and stage exactly <laughs> to be the victim. See, mm-hmm. the position of the victim is is a strong position to be in because you can constantly get validation and sympathy from fools. Mm-hmm. If somebody I know is running around going, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. I say, then fix your life. Right. Change it. (laughs) Stop being a victim. And if you need help, we'll help you. But like, it doesn't seem like you really need help. It seems like you're comfortable where you're at right now. (laughs) People get addicted to being a victim, man. You create Mm -hmm. synopses in your brain and it releases oxytocin and you get addicted to crying and you get addicted to feeling sorry for yourself. To people being nice to you. Yep. And then you go to the doctor, you say you feel sad and they give you a pill that keeps you Mm -hmm. in that cycle. No, it's, it's, it's insane. And you know, the thing to me is it's not a big shock. Like I grew up, I was lucky enough and sometimes people don't believe me, but it's just the truth. I grew up knowing all this stuff. Like I was part of a cult essentially. And I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but compared to other kids, I mean, I just, I had the best of both worlds. I could go out and I was really into skateboarding and, and, and bicycle riding and stuff like that. And I met a lot of friends to that activity. I did graffiti in the nineties, you know, tagging like art or whatever you want to call it. Not like gangbang, but like, you know, street graffiti. Yeah. So I was in like graffiti crews in, in San Francisco and in the Bay area and um, I learned how to draw. I learned how to, you know, make music and all this crap. And um, and then I'd come home and I'd hear about the international banking conspiracy and, you know, this and that and be a man. Like I, 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 you know, I got beat by my dad. Like my dad slapped me around and shit when I acted dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, I was. But I, but I, but he stressed clean food. I wasn't allowed to drink soda. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't allowed to eat candy bars and stuff, like, once in a while, like a treat. Mm -hmm. I I ate a lot of meat and drank milk and cheese and raw eggs. You know, like, he opened me up to what everybody's trying to find now. Clean living, spiritual abundance. Yeah. Was he a hunter? He had hunted. He wasn't, like, an avid hunter. But, you know, where we lived, it wasn't really ideal for hunting anyways. But we would get meat from trips that he went on or that he knew people that lived in more rural areas and they would, you know, come visit. They would bring us a bear, rattlesnake, deer. Um, I I grew up with hunting. My father's a big hunter. Grandfather mm -hmm. was a hunter. And, you know, I, I say this a lot. I just think every person, man or woman, it doesn't matter. I think at some point is a, is basically an initiation into adulthood. You should have to kill an animal and eat the meat and use the whole body i just mm-hmm. think that lesson you learn from that to appreciate it to again eat cleanly and just know where your food is coming from like it was life-changing for me no i absolutely agree with that and that's the thing about this modern society you know and people joke around about it but i've actually met people who are like they don't like hunting but they eat meat i'm like hey look i'm like hey look it's fine to eat meat but don't make it like 
it's some magical thing in the back of the supermarket. You know, the animal died just the same, actually worse. Mm -hmm. An animal killed through a hunt is a more clean, like if you want to go down the karma road. Yeah. And, and any good ethical hunter is never going to let an animal suffer. You know, know, what animals suffer the most from is halal. When they, they hang the cow upside down, they slit its throat with a special knife. Mm -hmm. And all these people are going to halal and they're like, Oh, and they think that it's, that's a whole other thing getting into that. I don't even want to get into that right now, but you know what I'm talking about. I do. Okay. A man who goes out into the woods with a short bow or a long bow or even a compound. See, my dad was into archery. Mm -hmm. And he taught me how to shoot bows and arrows and all that. A man that goes out with a manual weapon like that. Now you can use those assist poles with all the levers and pulleys and all that. You don't even have to have any upper body strength. A lot of people do that for more accuracy. You know, to have more control over the over the aim. Mm-hmm. But regardless, if a man goes out into the woods with a bow and arrow, and he doesn't use um, a feed a feed stand mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, they feed them and then they come and they yeah, kill them. Yeah, you bait them in and <clears throat> yeah, a blind spot or whatever they call them. Mm-hmm. You go out there and you're stalking the deer, you're stalking the moose or the elk. And you're trying to be like quiet, not step on any twigs and, you know, all that business. Right. Mm-hmm. And you spend like all day you're out there, like from sunup and you, you don't get your kill until sunset, but you know that that carcass is going to like feed your family for many meals. There's something noble and honorable about that. Yeah. And people and, have lost so much sight about the spirit. Like it's like, you know, that book like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Repair. You know, it's like it's like what about Zen and the art of hunting? Yeah. And it's it is. It's just one of those things where it's like we're so removed from it because of factory farming and everything like that. It just it is. There's an art to it. And like I said before, any ethical hunter especially the way I was raised and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyone I knew, you use every part of that animal. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad would save the feet and make, like, gun racks out of them and stuff. Like, oh, no, every, every, every single part of the animal can be used. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the skin, I mean, depending on the animal, the, yep. the cartilage, I mean, the, the, the everything. Yeah. Your guitar strings used to be made out of cat guts. Mm-hmm. Horsehair is still used for violin bows. It's it's just incredible how just detached we are, and people just don't understand how uh, how things are made anymore, and they have well, no they have no appreciation for anything. I mean, that's like advanced stuff at this point, but it's which is sad because it used to be basic kind of like upbringing in like a traditional atomic family or nuclear family, I should say, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or an atomic age, I suppose, you know, post world war two America. Um, anyways, when there was no you know, world wars going on, but one of the things that <clears throat> I decided I was going to try to shoehorn into our conversation tonight that I hadn't talked about on any of the previous podcasts 
and I was kind of waiting for a, a good opportunity. I think this is the best one I'm going to get because we've been talking for uh, over 100 minutes. Yeah. Is I want to talk about and I want to see what you think and what your listeners think, what they leave in the comments or whatever, is the phenomena of this uh, like Jordan Peterson and Owen Benjamin and these these male figures that have gained a lot of popularity on YouTube and social media. Mm-hmm. Now, were you raised? <clears throat> were you raised in a family with a? Were your parents divorced or were they together? They were together. Yeah. Are they still together? They are. Okay. Well, then I think you might understand a little bit better. I think what I'm going to put forward, what I think is that the reason that, that Jordan Peterson, the reason Owen Benjamin and uh, Stephen Mo- Monolu and, you know, just these, these guys, Joe Rogan, I'll, I'll put him in the, I'll put him in the basket too, is because there is a very lacking fatherly role in young men's lives. I would agree with that. And <clears throat> even if the father's present, the, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, present role. I mean, he, they, yeah, exactly. Like they could, they could be married, but like the parents are just, they're not there. Right. And just the fact like men, like millennials too, like, and, and the younger generation I'm mm-hmm. terrified for, but it's like just these weak male figures. And it's that whole chart, like weak men lead to hard times, hard Sometimes, times. Strong... Yep. The, the, the fourth turning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would agree with you a hundred percent on that. It's, the re because a lot of these guys they're not saying stuff that's like that profound exactly Thank they're you. saying wake up in the morning and make your bed yeah and take control of your life like that shit my dad would just like kick my ass for if i didn't do exactly like that was just like it went without saying mm-hmm. not earth-shattering news and i have no problem with these guys making a career out of it because to me it's like well at least they're you know whatever they're they're, they're solving a problem Right. I mean, I, I'm okay with them having that stuff, but when you really listen to like, I remember I had to be in maybe college or maybe it was when I started, I used to be a teacher before I quit doing that, but Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother story we can go down uh, another time. But someone was like, you got to listen to Jordan Peterson. And I remember it's like 10 rules or 12 rules to success. And like the first one was like, wake up and make your bed. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Is this like, I was doing like a stand-up comedy sketch based like wake up and make your bed, bake a cup of coffee, like no shit, get up and start your day. Like, of course it's just, to me, it's not that profound at all. No, totally. And it's like, the thing is is like, I've kind of talked about my father a little bit and you talked about yours, you know, being a hunter and it's like, that's the thing is, a lot of this stuff is just knowledge that's supposed to be passed down from father to son. Mm-hmm. Now we also have a phenomenon where we have women who are teaching women how to be more like women because they didn't have that from their mother, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, it's just the other side of the coin, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's that duality that we see, you know, in nature and, and, and everything. But the, the people that are a little bit more honest about like Owen Benjamin, like he'll say, like, I shouldn't have to be telling you guys this stuff. But right. I can but I can make money, I can make a living, but I'm gonna show you through example. Now I don't know if you're 
like super familiar with Owen Benjamin, his story and like Hollywood and all that stuff? Not really. No. So Owen Benjamin was like, he was part of Hollywood. Like he was an actor, like he was friends with Vince Vaughn and um, Jimmy Fallon. He was like kind of poised to be part of that whole like group of like actors, like, you know, the Olsen or not the Olsen, what are they called? The uh, Owen and Luke Wilson. Yes. You know, like he was like that kind of actor, like comedies and kind of the more alpha kind of guy, but like funny, ha ha. And, but he woke up. He woke up and he like realized, like, no, I need to start a family. Like, I want to have kids. I want to have, I want to be married. And, anyways, make a long story short, he lived out in Washington now and he raises goats and he has like four kids. And he got kicked off of YouTube and um, all this stuff. And you know, I'm not going to get into why because that might end up getting both of us in trouble. <laughs> but right. the point is, is that he saw the illusion and he, he left Hollywood and he hates like he tries to like tell people it's all nonsense and you need to get in touch with logos and you know jordan peterson's talked about logos and other people have talked about logos and logos is not like oh that's like you know like a like a decal or like you know a logo it's like logos even though it's spelled the same it's like that that god energy it's that it's that like responsibility you know one of the things I'll give Jordan Peterson one of the, like the more intelligent things that he's actually said is he said that the purpose of life is responsibility. That's the meaning of life. Hmm. Responsibility. You have responsibility, then you have a meaning. Yeah, I would say responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to fuck up, but take accountability for it and learn no, from it. Exactly, and so that's why when I saw this phenomenon of red pilling, and you know all this like. Oh, I'm red, you know, I'm so red pilled, I'm so based, you know, on like 4chan and stuff like that. I was like, this is like, this is all, this is like what I learned like when I was a kid. Like, oh, this is like, this is cool. This is the counterculture now. Okay, like I'll fit right in. Mm-hmm. So I started, you know, paying attention. I started, you know, doing the thing with the memes on 4chan and, you know, getting into all that. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is like second nature. This is like, and I go on the boards and, you know, leave comments and, and tell people like my story, you know, depending on if it was appropriate for the topic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people would believe me. And then I have people telling me that I was like, I'm not lying. Like, this is just the way I was raised. Like, I was taught that this is the way that the world works. Like, there is forces at hand and it's not even who you think. Like, it's like with this whole thing with the with the Jeffrey Epstein and like the, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. It's like this is all theater. Mm-hmm. This is just, they're never going to bring down the whole vast no. satanic ritual abuse, pedophile, you know, like that's going to go on forever. And that ties in with the old world thing. Like I was telling, um, like I was telling, uh, well, I think I talked about it with Jeff and with um, Matt and Matt. I told them yep. it's, they've been doing this stuff forever. This goes back to, to Babylonia. Yep. This goes back to the age of the of the Kenites and and the uh, the Sumerians and it, it, it never stopped. No, it didn't. And you're 100 percent right. Like mm-hmm. it, this has been going on forever, and it's always going to go on forever. Anything you see on the news, they're just a fall person, you know, fall guy, mm-hmm. whatever. And they're going to pretend like they solved the problem. It's still going to be going on. It's never going to change, unless we, you know, unite as a consciousness and and actually change it, which uh, again, I try to be optimistic, <laughs> but I don't yeah. see it happening. Mm-hmm. 
But um, there was there was a uh, quote you said in uh, the episode with Matt on the Great Deception. You were talking about truth, and I, I clipped it and I put it on Instagram and everything. And I just wanted you to kind of repeat that because I, I just I love that quote you were talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I think I know which one you're talking about, even without mm-hmm. telling me. It's it's that the truth doesn't need to be defended. Lies need to be defended. Mm -hmm. The truth needs to be represented. If you stop telling a lie, it'll fucking disappear. You know, it's the truth that's omnipresent. It's the truth that only needs to be represented. And a way that you can represent the truth is by action, is by example. In other words, don't just tell the truth, act the truth. I I couldn't agree more. And when you said that, I was like... As soon as you said it on the episode, I was like, I have to screen record this. You know? <laughs> because it's just, it, it's such common sense, you know? Mm-hmm. But and, yeah, and that was something that my dad told me, you know? And it just, I never forgot that. He only had to tell me once. And it's just one of those things I never, I repeated it to, to people. And I was kind of like a voice because he, he obviously wasn't a very social person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my, my dad was the same way. My dad was a, a lawyer. And, you know, me and my dad have our issues and whatnot, but it's gotten better with age. But he always said to me, like, if you're ever in trouble, just tell me the truth. Just always tell the truth and we'll figure it out, you know? And it's just so many people, like, it, it just goes into everything. Like, what we're going through now with all the shit, it's like the truth is so prevalent. It just makes sense. I don't understand how people are just doing these mental gymnastics to just hide from the truth. And it's just, it's advanced, it's advanced, uh, sorcery. Yeah, I know it goes, you know, and people think sorcery means like Dungeons and Dragons or or something like sorcery is a very old word. Yeah, it is all mind control, propaganda, just brainwashing from the day you come out of the womb. It's, it's incredible. No, people expect, you know, somebody to come out with like a pointy hat with moons and stars on it with a wand and go whoosh. Yeah, no, just turn on your local news station. There it is. That's sorcery right there. That's how good it is. Yeah. And then we think about like media and Medea, you know, the all, goddess. All the yep. You know, it's it's all right there and they have to tell you the truth. And and people don't believe me when I tell them that. And I say, look, you don't understand these people have rules and they follow they they it's all part of their little magic. Yep. You they know, get, pe- for they, their karmic Whatever. It's not. A, it's not a recreational thing for these people. It's not. It they have to do these like they believe it. it it's where their power mm-hmm. comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so true. It's like if I tell you I'm going to rob you, and you leave your door open at night, and I rob you, whose fault is that? <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like you can't. A vampire can't come into your house unless you invite them. Exactly, and it's just. Again, I try not to because there are certain topics that we all know will get us kicked off of certain platforms and whatnot. But yeah, it's just look at video footage of certain candidates talking about certain things and then look at what they're saying now. They told us the truth last year. (laughs) Well, I'll give. Yeah, I know we're we're about to wrap things up. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, censorship and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I'll give I'll give your list kind of a a, like a self uh, fulfilling uh, I wouldn't say prophecy, but I'll give them a self-fulfilling quote that they can look up and then they can figure out what I'm talking about and they can put the pieces together for themselves. If you want to know 
who controls you. Find out who you're not allowed to criticize. Yeah. That's all, that's all you got to Google or put in your Bing or AltaVista or whatever search engine you use. Put in that quote and see where that leads you. And, and you know, people can come to their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And again, to people that are into this <clears throat> stuff, like, that's really obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's very obvious. But <clears throat> old scary world. We got a couple minutes left. I want you to uh, any closing words and then you know, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, closing words would be, I think, the most important thing without being, you know, I don't want to be self-congratulatory or anything like that. I just want to say, if you're into this kind of stuff and you don't have anybody to talk to about and all you can do is listen to podcasts and watch videos on YouTube and you start to feel like you're going crazy, you're probably not going crazy. You're probably just waking up. You're probably not schizophrenic. You're probably not sleep deprived or, or a weirdo or anything. And there's people who are right there with you and they're in your spiritual corner and you have to find people that you can communicate with to help with your anxieties that you might be having about coming to certain conclusions about the way that reality actually operates. Yeah. And just talk to people, you know, Mm -hmm. when I started this show, it's like, once I started talking to people, I mean, now people come up to me, whether it's at work or whatever, and they're like, I believe that too. You know, they're all, not everyone's going to be at the same level, but everyone can kind of agree something's wrong here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead and tell them where they can find all your stuff. And sure, if you're interested more in anything that I have to say or the content that I make, you can find it on YouTube at Old Scary World, Instagram at Mudflood Memes, or at school, at <clears throat> or at Old Scary World. Same thing; it'll pop up. And then on the Instagram, you can find the multi-link to the Patreon. Scaryworld.com is where you can buy merch, t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, things like that to help support the channel. And then also I'm on TikTok and I have a band camp, which is also Old Scary World. Everything's pretty much Old Scary World. And there's a Telegram chat and you can find the link to the Telegram chat through the bio on Instagram. Very cool. And I will put all that stuff in the show notes, the description when this goes out. But right on. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I'm really glad, you know, we connected and uh, we'll probably do another show in the future if you're willing to do that. Cause oh, absolutely. I, we, didn't, we didn't even get into like the old world too much. So yeah, man, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you have a great night. Thank you. And that's the show, folks. I really hope you enjoyed it. And uh, definitely go check out Old Scary World on YouTube and uh, check out his Instagram page at Mudflood Memes. Um, as always, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, um, you know what to do. Go on to Apple Podcasts, leave it a five star review. And I think I forgot to say it at the beginning of the episode, but. You know, if you've had a paranormal or spiritual experience, you want to talk about something unconventional, you know, send me an email, upstateunconventional at gmail.com. And you can always find me on Instagram at upstate underscore unconventional. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>